Hey everyone, welcome to a special Ash Wednesday edition of the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. All right, Joe, when we come back from our first segment, we're talking college basketball. We're going to do a special Ash Wednesday themed locker room talk. As I said, I got my ashes on and we're going to talk about some coaches in college basketball. His career might be up in flames. Um, before we get to that, though, let's talk about a coach who's pretty fiery lately. Uh, many probably thought that his career would have already gone up in flames based on what happened. We got to talk about the Juwan Howard situation. Uh, I really like Juwan Howard, Joe, and I was, you know, you and I were talking about this last year, like how great of an experiment this has been. It's kind of led to what we've seen all over the place. You've seen it with Patrick Ewing in Georgetown. You've seen it with Penny Hardaway in Memphis. I think it's kind of a neat idea, which is, you bring in a former player who's fantastic that you know can recruit, that was a high-level recruit, and then you pair him with a legendary coach in their own right who's maybe a little bit older but doesn't want to be the face of the program anymore, like Michigan with Phil Martelli. Um, you were telling me earlier Memphis has, uh, has Brown that used to be the great coach for Larry Brown for what? He was yeah. the, the, seven, the Sixers coach. He was uh, – I think it was Kansas's coach, won a national championship. Yeah, both places, yep. Yeah. And then, you know, you just kind of – you're kind of seeing that all over. And, of course, Shawan Howard uh, got really upset a couple weeks ago when Greg Gard, the Wisconsin coach, was beating uh, Michigan pretty badly. They were about 12 points. He had his backups in. And when Juwan Howard's uh, Wolverines were pressing uh, Wisconsin, uh, Gard took a timeout to try and reset his team and make sure they didn't, you know, suffer the 10-second violation. This heavily upset Juwan Howard. And when they're going to shake hands afterwards, which, of course, Wisconsin won, Howard had – Greg Gard went over to say something to Howard. And I think uh, Howard, like, you know, put his finger on him or something like that. Howard backed off. And then it was another assistant coach, weirdly, that was the one that Juwan Howard punched. And Juwan Howard's a pretty big guy. Even though he's now, you know, five, six years removed from playing in the league, he's still in really good shape. I'm sure that even if he's getting held back, it's probably a punch that hurts a little bit. And, you know, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on, on what happened. Did it surprise you? And what do you think about the punishment? Honestly, I think the punishment was probably appropriate because I think that is kind of unprecedented based on the circumstances to give that many games for a suspension. And, you know, we'll see if that's the, the end of it. You know, they might even continue it, but probably end at the end of the regular season. But it was a fascinating situation. It kind of made me think, you know, why doesn't this happen more often, you know, with the coaches, with their personalities and kind of brash at times on all levels. It kind of surprises you. You don't see this happen in other sports like football and basketball. Really, you know, a statement to everybody to hold it together in many situations. But like we were talking about before the show, Dan, this was so um, uncharacteristic of Jawan Howard. Just kind of expect him to be a very even-kill guy. Yeah, I was surprised by it, too. I mean, I know that last year I think he had a run-in with the Maryland coach, Turgeon, that was kind of a big deal that caused Howard to be suspended for a few games. But when he yeah. was a basketball player, he always seemed like he was one of the most level-headed players around, very dependable, a veteran guy that seemed like a leader in the locker room. And even when you think about him in college basketball, when you think of him in the context of the Fab Five, he always seemed the most even killed of the Fab Five to me. I mean, 
If yeah. it's Chris Weber or Jalen Rose, I probably wouldn't be that surprised by it. They always seem like pretty fiery guys. But Howard always seemed pretty cool, like a cool customer, like home and collected. So it's weird to see him act like that. It really is. Great points there. And, you know, we'll see kind of where this goes and how this impacts, you know, uh, his future. I, I think they'll probably make the NCAA tournament. I know they beat uh, Michigan State last night. You know, it'd be interesting to see if he's coaching in that tournament or in the uh, the Big Ten tournament as well. well. Joe, here's a question. What about if uh, if Phil Martelli goes on a run and wins, uh, let's just say, the Big Ten championship and, you know, not the regular season, but the, the tournament? Yeah. Would you consider if you were Michigan just – Holding on to Martelli at that point and telling Juwan to take a take a hike. I mean, Martelli's a guy that's done such a great job at St. Joseph's. You know, you're not going to get this kind of stuff that would happen last a couple weeks ago with him. I don't know. It might be something to think about. I probably would. There's actually some interesting precedent for those kind of decisions. You know, when Will Wade was suspended a couple of years ago for LSU, they had an interim coach and he made it to the Sweet 16, and they still went with Wade, which surprised me, but. To your point, I don't think that's a bad decision to go with Martelli. No, I mean, the way I look at it is you got two years in a row where you have instances where Juwan Howard got into issues with coaches. And personally, like, I, I wouldn't have fired him, but I would have made it not just a regular season. I would have included the postseason with that. I would have included the, the, the Big Ten tournament, and I would have included the NCAA tournament if you make it because I think that this is something that, you know, really needs to get in your mind that you cannot do this again. And I don't know that a five-game suspension really tells you that. I think it tells you that, well, maybe I should kind of take this seriously, but I don't know that tells you that one more time and you're gone. And I think that's what you have to have that message out there. Well, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, let's say they were to hypothetically match up against Wisconsin in the Big Ten tournament. To your point, you know, you do set the stage for like a repeat occurrence. Absolutely. I mean, and here's the question, like, if you're the Wisconsin coach who obviously doesn't feel like they did anything wrong, couldn't you see him possibly trying to troll Juwan Howard again? Because you look at it as you could take him out. You could probably get him fired if you do that. I don't know what kind of person the Wisconsin coach is, but that's something that a lot of people might do. Yeah, they might try to instigate it, you know, uh, initiate some type of conflict there. And, you know, how many times do we see it? You know, the instigator is not the one that's discovered you know, with the celebration penalties or the, um, you know, uh, taunting penalties, it's always the one, you know, that uh, is secondary that's discovered. Exactly. And, I mean, you know, personally, I don't think they should have even suspended the Wisconsin coach for a game. Was what he did in the utmost sportsmanship? Probably not. Yeah. But if you think about it in the context of you got these new guys in that would presumably be your starters at some point, they're going to have to deal with these kind of situations you want them to be coached up and do the right thing. And so I kind of get that. I mean, you know, you think about it as you want these guys to be ready when they're actually called on in a situation that matters late in the game. A press situation late in the game is one of the most important parts of basketball. So I really don't, you know, I wouldn't say that I found it to be in the utmost distaste. If I were a coach, would I have done that? Probably not, but I understand the rationale of it. Well, Wisconsin gets the last laugh, too, because they clinched the Big Ten regular season title last night. Well, there you go. So, good, good days for Badger fans, and they got a lot that they can troll Michigan on right now. Uh, Joe, speaking of trolling, uh, most of the year for Auburn basketball, we've been the ones that have gotten to troll. It's been a big thing on social media. 
that was make fun of everybody at the end of the game when they showed the score is, um, including putting a lot of gifts up of Bruce Pearl saying, did the other team win? They shakes his head no. Well, lately, Auburn's been the one that's been on the losing side of it, especially on the road. They've had three games in a row where they went on the road and lost. It started, of course, with Arkansas and Bud Walden Arena, which is one that I saw coming. I, frankly, I, I was texting you all during that game. I saw them losing that game. I had a bad feeling about it. I know Arkansas is a tough place to play. I knew sure. they were really up for that game. And then when I saw that they had never beaten a number one team there, I was even more like certain. I was like, okay, this is this has just got upset written all over it. Yeah. And then Florida, that one kind of surprised me because Auburn apparently hadn't beaten Florida in Gainesville since 1996. So I really thought that Auburn was going to come pretty motivated for that one. Obviously, I knew Florida needed a win to get into the NCAA tournament, which I think they're still kind of on the outside looking in. But that was a surprising loss for me. And, you know, the Tennessee one, we saw Tennessee where they did Kentucky at home. Tennessee's a tough place to play. I would say that out of the three, the only one I'm really surprised by is really the Florida one. I think that Auburn's a much better team than Florida. And there was a lot of questionable decisions at the end of that game, uh, including by Wendell Green, just like what he had against Arkansas. And and I hate it because I've been kind of thinking that Bruce Pearl really needs to make sure that guy doesn't have the ball at the end of the game anymore. Because you look at what happened at Arkansas, he wasted 20 seconds and threw up a shot that wasn't even a good shot and never passed the ball. And then against Kentucky, and then again, well, then against Florida, he gets given a gift where we have seven seconds, we're down by one, and he can't even get a pass off. So I'm really not sure what's going on with this ball handling at the end of the games right now. Yeah, I've heard people say, like, analyzing Auburn, that the only troublesome factor about them is if their guards, like, mess it up, like, mm-hmm. in the tournament. Like, that's the big thing with Green specifically. Yeah, I mean, they always say that the NCAA tournament is a guard-based tournament, that the people that have the best backcourts, the ones, uh, I guess, oh, I always get the back and the front courts confused. Well, wherever the guards are at. It'd be backcourt, backcourt. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I always hear that the teams that have the best backcourt are the ones that tend to win the tournament. A la Baylor last year, you look at how good they were with uh, with Mitchell and everybody they had in their backcourt. Um, yeah. And then Butler also. And that's Auburn's biggest problem is they don't have – you think about when they went to the Final Four uh, three years ago, you had Jared Harper, who's an amazing, amazing uh, point guard. Little guy, but so tough. was a 98% free throw shooter. Got drew drew fouls all the time. Had great range. Of course, you have Bryce Brown, who was a great three-point shooting threat. And then Shumo Kiki kind of played both ways. So you had like a lot of of depth in your backcourt. Auburn this year – I mean, their strength is in their front court, obviously. Like Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, that's the best front court in America. They got that. There's, there's no doubts about that. But when you yeah. go to that court, Green is a, he's a tough player at times. He's fantastic, but he's very inconsistent. And at the end of games, he's not clutch. He won one game, I think, making a layup against Georgia. But outside of that, he's been very poor at the end of games when they matter. And then Katie Johnson is a guy that can also take over games. He, of course, has more effort than anybody you can see. They call him psycho because of how intense he gets in games. But he gets really cold, and he has been lately. He can get it. He can get a lot of quick fouls. And, you know, then you got Zeb Jasper, who's their, their, their main point guard. But he doesn't score much. And so that all kind of comes to the fact that, Joe, there's not a great 
They're not a great uh, backcourt team. Mm-hmm. No, it's definitely a concern. I think if I'm Auburn, I want Jabari Smith to kind of lead that Kevin Durant type role. And even though he's a forward, you know, to dribble the basketball and take shots in the, at the end of games. And that's what I think, too. I mean, I think that they need to learn their lessons. You've had two games that you probably should have won in Arkansas and Florida where you didn't get the ball to either Walker Kessler or Jabari Smith. And those yeah. are the only guys that I think in the last 30 seconds of game should even be touching the ball for Auburn now. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that for sure. And so, I mean, that's, that's what we're going to have to learn. I mean, they're playing Mississippi State right now on the road. And what's a big game, because Mississippi State is a team that probably isn't going to make the NCAA tournament. But yet again, if they were to beat uh, Auburn, then they would get themselves back in, you know, conversation a little bit. But this is a big win because I think right now Auburn's dropped down to number five. And if you think about it, I think they need to win the SEC regular season uh, championship. And maybe they don't have to win the tournament, but I think they probably have to get to the championship game to be sure that they're going to get a one seed in the tournament. Yeah, I think so, too. Like, you could lose to Kentucky in the finals, but anything short of that, probably not. Probably a two at that point. Yeah, I think if you lost to Kentucky, maybe a, a great game against Arkansas or Tennessee, you might get hold on to a one seed. But, yeah, yeah they have to win their last two games and then make it to the tournament championship and probably win, or if they lose, tight one to, like I said, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee, someone in that range. I think so, yeah. But we'll see. Right now they've got a lead on Mississippi State. Uh, it's a huge game for them. Like I said, they really need to recover from those road woes. And, Joe, speaking of road woes, it's going to be quite the environment in Cameron Indoor Stadium on Saturday for Coach K's final Duke-North Carolina game in Cameron Endor should be something special. It's going to be great. And talk about a hot ticket. You know, I think there's seats, what, like 9,000 at Cameron Endor. That's going to be hard to get a ticket for that game. But, you know, aside from just the matchup, I was stunned the other day. I was watching some of the uh, Syracuse-North Carolina game, I think Monday night, that went into overtime. I didn't realize that North Carolina was being considered as a bubble team with their resume. That really stunned me. That was surprising. I mean, they've got what I, uh, I saw today that Dick Vitell gave them the ACC player of the year. Um, yeah. They, I think they're, what, like 19 and 10 right now, which usually you think that's like almost a certain thing that North Carolina would get in with that record. They're over 20 wins, I think. I think 20 wins and maybe 13 ACC wins, and that just stunned me that that's a bubble team. Well, Joe, I, mean, I think that's an indictment on the ACC right now. Uh, this has been a historically yeah. low year for the ACC Generally, when you think of basketball, I would say the ACC over time has been the most consistent basketball conference. Now, lately, I think the Big Ten over the last five years has probably been the best one. But you think about for most of our lives, the ACC was the end-all, be-all of basketball. And that's not the way it is this year, where I think Duke is the only ranked team in the ACC right now. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. You got Duke and then everybody else. But still, it still really surprised me, though, when I saw it come out. Yeah, so, I mean, that's – obviously, I think if North Carolina were to get that win, they probably would be ranked because, you know, Duke's sitting here right now at number four, and so that would be a huge win for North Carolina, and especially a, a great win for Hubert Davis in his first year. He kind of had a slow start to it, but it's starting to pick up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that would definitely be a defining win. You know, one win I remember North Carolina had against Duke uh, years ago when they beat uh, J.J. Redick on senior night. You know, so there is precedent for winning a game maybe of this magnitude. 
there is, but you got to think that uh, there's going to be a lot of help from the stripes for Coach K on this one. It's going to be it's going to be a tough road to hoe. I think any any foul that's close is probably going to go against North Carolina. And I just uh, I think I got, got like Duke in this, and I think that you're going to see Paulo Bancaro. He's fighting with Jabari Smith right now for that number one overall pick. I bet he probably has a pretty big game. It's it'd definitely be a shocker if they didn't win for sure. You're right. But, yeah, it should be exciting, and I plan on watching it. I didn't watch the first edition of it this year because at that time North Carolina wasn't any good and it didn't really interest me. But this one I'll definitely check out. It should be a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. Um, Joe, uh, you know, we do this a lot for football. We're going to do our basketball lines of the week this week. And, Joe, we're talking about a a Juwan Howardless Michigan and I believe that is where you're looking at for your line of the week. Yeah, I'm going uh, Michigan-Iowa. I think Iowa's favored by one point. Um, I think Iowa probably wins that game, though. I really like their uh, guard play with uh, Jordan Bohannon. He's a really good uh, three-point shooter. Okay. I like that pick. I would probably go Iowa on that one as well. Solid basketball team. and I think they're kind of, you know, fringe going to make the tournament. So getting another win over a team like Michigan, who right now – it's on the good side of the bubble, can only help Iowa. For sure. Uh, Joe, the one I'm going with, uh, I'm going with Wyoming and UNLV. Probably not one that your casual basketball fan would be that excited about. But Wyoming this year is a very good whack program. Uh, they're a team that probably is going to make the NCAA tournament even as a, uh, you know, as an at-large team, even if they don't win their tournament. Uh, they've had one of the best years ever. And I think the Wyoming coach is a real up-and-comer who a lot of the big programs are going to look at. And UNLV is, uh, you know, traditional power in basketball, but it's been down for a long time now. Of course, remember in the early 90s when they had Jerry Tartanian as coach and they went to all kinds of Final Fours, won a national championship. Well, that's, yeah. these aren't those times anymore. They've really, you know, hit the skids. But still, I think that name brand still carries a little bit of weight because, strangely, UNLV is actually favored by two points in this game. And I saw that line and seeing Wyoming at plus two. I think you're getting a lot of value at that one. I'd take Wyoming uh, on the money line, actually. Don't even worry about the points. It's one point anyway. But go with the money line on Wyoming is my line of the week. And that's a good pick, and that's a very, you know, underrated, uh, energized fan base for sure. That's right. Go Cowboys. All right, uh, and Joe, when we come back, uh, we're going to do our locker room talk this week. I want to thank all of our listeners. You can catch all the broad episodes, including last week's that we had with Cole Kubelik up on YouTube and then also on Spotify. You can look up the Dan Joe Sports Show and listen to our podcast there. And, of course, you can like us on Twitter at DJ Sports Show. And also you can follow our Facebook fan page, the Dan Joe Sports Show fan page. And as always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe.